Howdy guys and girls, welcome back to episode 116 of the Moyes Health Podcast and I hope you're doing okay. Hope you enjoyed our last episode, a little bit more of a audible motivation, that one, to help you guys just understand the journey a little bit more, be it if you've already embarked on it, early stages, in the midst of it, or perhaps you haven't even started yet, to understand the nuances involved in transformation and the difficulty involved in it too. Thank you, as always, for your great feedback. Keep it coming, at Chris Moyes on Instagram. And yeah, let's dig into episode 116, a topic that I've been asked to talk about a few times. So, here we go. I would say about probably once a week, at at least once a fortnight, I get asked my opinion on weight loss surgery, uh, be it because someone's got a friend that's done it and they're getting these amazing results of, oh my God, they're losing weight hand over fist, or a new drug gets launched and people are curious about it. Now, I don't blame anybody's mindset or anybody individually for looking at the results that can be achieved or the headline figures of these processes, be it surgery, be it medication, and going, hmm, because of course it's tempting. It's a quick fix. Without the work, without the effort, these people are losing a shit ton of weight. But the problem is, if you only ever focus on the headlines, and you only ever look at the positives, it would be very, very easy to miss the wood through the trees. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit of context from a position I'm talking from. A few years ago now, quite a few actually, we're talking seven, six, no less than that. I worked for a tier three weight management service, which was funded by the NHS, which was a weight management, weight loss service, particularly aimed at the obese and morbidly obese. So those with a BMI of 35 and above, Um, with comorbidities or those with a BMI of 40 and above with or without comorbidities Um, and in case you're unfamiliar with BMI as much as I'm not a fan of it those are big numbers those are big BMIs those are people where their relationship with food psychology etc has gone horribly wrong and they have found themselves bypassing or flying through the overweight bracket and straight into obese and morbidly obese And in other words, immediate intervention is needed. Now, first, that came in the form of Tier 3. Tier 3 was essentially guiding people, looking at their diets. They would have a consultation with a nutritionist and a psychologist and in basically guiding them through changes to make within their lives. And it's, it's working with these people that really cut my teeth as far as opening my mind to a much more sustainable approach because... I'll hold my hands up. Prior to working for tier three, I was a bit more generic PT. Here's a meal plan. Here's an approach. Fitness, 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 etc. Whereas when you spend time working with people that are at the very sharp end of weight management problems, you really begin to understand where the issue lies as far as people's lifestyles. And that completely led to me overhauling my whole approach to everybody's fat loss and looking at it from a lifestyle perspective because it's very very easy to put temporary structures in place very very easy to get temporary results from those temporary structures but 
as I said in the word temporary, keeping them is very, very different. The only way you are truly going to transform and keep it is by, or truly achieve, let alone and keep it, is by adapting your life and making your life a conducive and productive environment for looking after yourself. Now, another side to tier three was tier four. Tier four is weight loss surgery. And in tier three, it was prepping people for weight loss surgery. I don't mean in terms of cleaning them up, etc., which is potentially where your mind first went. It's about getting them ready for the surgery itself in terms of what to expect, but also life afterwards. And there are certain criteria that people had to get through. For example, the irony of to be accepted on weight loss surgery was people were told they were accepted for a gastric sleeve uh, or gastric bypass. And in order for the operation to go ahead, they had to lose a certain amount of weight, which is fucking ironic because you've been accepted for weight loss surgery because you need to drastically lose weight. And the first thing that they say to you is you can't have the surgery until you've lost some weight. Now, the ethos behind this, as much as it is ironic, is pretty sound. You need to prove that you have the capacity to make changes within your life. Now, I'm not a big advocate of the way in which they went about that. And what I mean by that is it was very much a case of you need to show you can lose weight and therefore we'll give you the surgery. Sometimes they were given specific uh, markers, BMIs, etc., or weight targets. But a lot of the time, it was about changes. Show us that you're making changes in your life. Now, that side of things I can get on board with because, again, giving someone a marker of lose a couple of pounds, they could easily just take some laxatives or starve themselves for a bit or do something extreme. However, by showing that they're tangibly making changes within their lives, that is the shit that can stick. And essentially, that's what Tier 4 was looking for. We will give you the surgery if you show us that you can make changes within your life and you have the capacity for change. Now, the funny thing about this is so many of the candidates that went forward for weight loss surgery, we worked with closely, me and my team of health advisors, and they didn't make changes, yet they got the surgery anyway. Because ultimately, it was very much a case of we need to give you this fucking surgery or you're not going to live much longer. So there is that drastic action that's needed. But one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this topic in particular, not just because of being asked about it, was to give you guys a little bit more insight in terms of the operations themselves, the life-changing, life-altering procedures that people go through and life afterwards. And also important to touch on the, the sustainability and I guess the viability of these huge procedures. Because firstly, I mentioned the requirements pre-op. You already have to have some substantial shit wrong with you to get on tier three in the first place, i.e. a BMI of over 40 or over 35 if you've got other issues such as high blood pressure, um, PCOS, this kind of stuff. And then once you've got that side of things, then you can be coached and on that side, it's then, as I said, making changes to lifestyles, etc. This would involve regular meetings with a health advisor. As I said, you get seen by a nutritionist as well as a psychologist. Uh, this is both telephone meetings and face-to-face. -face. And I'm not at this stage going to dig into the details any further than that. 
I'd much rather skip to the part that I guess you're really interested in, which is the operation itself, uh, operations, uh, perhaps you'd say, and then the post-operation stuff too. Firstly, these operations are genuinely life-changing. Be it a gastric band, which is obviously temporarily shrinking the size of the stomach, uh, or, of course, you have a gastric bypass, which is bypassing altogether. But I want to stress, none of these processes are silver bullets. None of them can overcome your own mind. Because the body is an incredibly adaptive thing. The stomach is an incredibly adaptive thing. And although these procedures, particularly things like the gastric bypass, do have a an impact, a significant impact, on the hormones that are released, which promote hunger, etc. They're not a silver bullet. They're not the be-all and end-all change. So when you know of someone that's had gastric sleeves and it's becoming incredibly popular to fuck off over to Turkey and go and get something like this done, you've got to understand that it's not foolproof. Even the bypass isn't foolproof. Because to lose body fat, again, if you're new here, you need to create a caloric deficit. You need to supply your body with less energy than it needs to keep itself running and move itself around throughout the day. And then you consistently do that. You consistently lose body fat because your body has to make up that deficit and so it consumes itself. Calories are still king. And so if you make changes within your life and you reduce your caloric intake, you're consuming good volumes of food without the calories. So you're making better choices, healthier choices. Uh, you're eating more protein, eating more fiber. Then you'll find you fill up quicker because obviously with both of these processes, they involve reducing the capacity of your ability to eat. However, just because you've had an operation does not overwrite the laws of thermodynamics. Yes, eating certain foods will make you ill, but some people are a lot more tolerant to that than others. And so by having these procedures, by having this surgery, it's important to recognize that your reaction to it is going to be very different to somebody else's. And I've known people that have had gastric bypasses, gastric sleeves, and they have lost a decent amount of weight initially during the initial post-op not feeling very good, being sick, etc., and just generally not interested in eating. But over time, it's very, very easy to eat around these processes. Case in point, it's very, very easy to get a huge amount of calories in in a very small portion. Because, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Why do we gain body fat? We don't gain it from eating too much fucking salad, do we? We gain it from 21st century living. We gain it from the takeaways, the calorically dense foods, the million calories in one bite foods, the one which or the foods which are highly palatable, high fat content, high sugar content, the stuff which we crave. That's where the fucking calories come from. That's where the weight gain comes from. That alongside the calorific drinks, etc. So it's very, very easy to still get a substantial amount of calories in regardless of these procedures. And so if you don't change your life, if you don't change the way in which you eat, your approach to eating, if you don't change the choices that you're making, then you're just going to be able to eat around the surgery. And in due course, your fat loss will plateau. And worse, you'll regain. Because no amount of procedure to your gastrointestinal system 
is going to overcome the laws of thermodynamics. And ironically so, for those people that made the changes to complete the criteria necessary to get the operations in the first place, you fucking started making changes. The changes that need to continue into later life. So just keep fucking going. Don't hack yourself to pieces. Don't go under the knife. Don't mutilate your body in the pursuit of fat loss without recognizing what led to it what led to the fat gain in the first place and doing something about it if you don't change your mind you won't ultimately change your body you might temporarily as we all know from the extreme fucking diets that we've all done but you won't keep it even with weight loss surgery now don't get me wrong there are some success stories there are some people that went through that period post-op who recalibrated their relationship with food during a period of not being able to eat certain foods or you know certain macronutrients or certain make certain choices. During that period, they recalibrated and it meant so much to them that they then recalibrated their life and it was a period of time they were able to do that and they kept it off. Maybe not all of it, but they've kept it off. There's always going to be success stories. Hell, there's fucking success stories out there for people that have cut carbs. Success stories for people that have got rid of takeaways. Success stories on Slimming World or Weight Watchers. Success stories in every faction of health and fitness and dieting. Because there are always anomalies, exceptions that prove the rule. And this is what marketing is obviously used for as well. These, these select 1% of people that are able to stick to these extreme approaches are the people that market the extreme approaches that make you believe that everybody can do it. But it's important to recognize and it's important to really question what is right for you. Have you really reached that point where surgery is a viable option, where you physically don't feel like you can make any changes, so surgery must be it to force you to make them? I'm not here to make the decision for you. I'm not here to make the choice for you. No, I'm, I'm not even here to sway you in one direction or the other. I'm here to help you make a mindful decision about what it is you want to do. And to have your eyes wide open to what is actually necessary. And the net result of what's necessary is the same whether you go down the route of weight loss surgery or not. Plus, then we've got to talk about medication. Now, of recent, there's been loads more medication which has come onto the market which suppresses the gut uh, enzyme, which basically gives you that feeling of fullness quicker. So therefore, it reduces hunger, essentially. This is what the majority of all these drugs tend to do. They reduce hunger. And of course, they end up on this morning and people end up talking about them. And they talk about them because, hey, guys, here's a quick fix. And from the government's perspective, of course, they're going to back these things because by reducing the obesity epidemic, you're reducing the strain on the NHS. And what was the priority in the middle of lockdown? Hmm? What was the priority in the midst of COVID-19? Reduce the strain on the NHS. A, because that reduces the strain on the service, making sure that it's available for the people that really need it. And B, it saves fucking money. So of course they're going to want to do that. So the government are going to get behind these processes. Because there are going to be people within the population which respond to them. Is it a bandage for a bullet wound? Yes. Because the problem began many, many years ago. 
as I spoke about in a previous podcast, the education when we were growing up, the way in which we are marketed to, the way companies are allowed to use our regular social media platforms and the media that we consume to manipulate us, to go down the routes of extremes, to spread false information about what you need to do to lose weight, etc. Hell, if you spent 30 seconds on Facebook or YouTube, you'll see fucking V-Shred pop up, banging on about these foods are shit for your metabolism, or you need to do fasted cardio, all of which was debunked many, many years ago in, a, in countless studies, countless the science is pretty damn fucking clear about what you need to do to lose body fat and it is create a caloric deficit and fucking stick to it. Your choices are not more important than the deficit itself. So if anybody says, oh, it's not about calories in, calories out. No, it's about the choices you're making. No, you're taking correlation and causation. The reason that you lose fat or not is because you're in a calorie deficit or not. If you make better choices, it makes a deficit easier, such as more fiber, more protein. If you try to achieve a caloric deficit with nothing but McDonald's, can you? Yes. If you try to achieve a caloric deficit with nothing but Mars bars, can you? Yes. Can you fucking stick to that? No, because you're going to be really, really hungry because you're using up your allowance very, very quickly. And of course, then there's the malnourishment side of things and the lack of satiety from the foods that you're consuming. But hey, I digress. So medication, is it worthwhile? Well, no, in my opinion, for the same reasons that weight loss surgery is not worthwhile. You're not fixing the fucking problem. Imagine you've got mold coming through your wall. And all you're doing every time you see it is painting over it. You're not fixing the problem. You're not fixing the leak. You're not fixing the lack of ventilation or whatever is leading to that mold. No, you're just painting over it. And every time it comes back, you paint over it again. And with these medications, you have to question, do you want to be on medication for the rest of your life? Do you, do you want to kind of do that rather than actually fixing the problem? It's like paying your mortgage on a credit card. Is it a temporary solution for some? Yes, of course it is. Is it a good solution? No, because all you've do, done is, is kick the problem down the road and made it, I don't know, 27.9% worse, depending on your interest rate. So my point is that stop searching for silver bullets because there fucking isn't one. The net result of both of these processes is the same. You've got to change your life. Your life sucks when it comes to looking after yourself, when it comes to controlling your caloric intake, when it comes to looking after your general health. It fucking sucks and it's not conducive to what you want to achieve. It's not conducive to your health. It's not conducive to you living longer. It's not conducive to you being a good parent or a good partner. You're not fucking looking after yourself. So regardless of whatever method you end up choosing, you've got to acknowledge that and recognize that you can't just keep papering over this shit. You can't just keep painting over it and expecting shit's going to change miraculously because you did something. No. It takes graft, it takes hard work, it takes consistency. You've got to recognize what put the weight on in the first place. I know you love socializing, but maybe you need to dial it back a bit, be it by the frequency of which you are socializing or perhaps to your approach at those socials. You don't always have to celebrate with five bottles of wine. You don't always have to kick the ass out of the booze every Friday night. 
You don't have to have takeaway Saturday and takeaway Sunday and meal out Friday. I know you want to live your life and you can still do that. But if you want to live a long, full life, you've got to find a bit more of a balance. You've got to find a bit more of a compromise. And fuck it. Have other reasons for doing it. Drop the takeaways down, drop the socials down, and boom, there's a load of money. Go on fucking holiday. Go and enjoy yourself. Go and see the world. With all those years of your life that you're gaining by looking after yourself, by making these better choices, go and do something with them. Redirect that money. Have more of an incentive than just, I'm getting rid of these things, bye-bye fun. Because look at what you're gaining rather than what you're losing. And when it comes to operations for weight loss, when it comes to medication for, for weight loss, I ask that same question, but backwards. Look at what you're doing to gain such a small heads up, a small leg up on what you're looking to achieve. Look at what you're having to put yourself through. Look at what you're going through to paper over a problem for some temporary solution. I have seen the majority of weight loss surgery patients and medications fail because people don't get it that it's their mind which is the problem. I'm sorry that if you love your life and you embrace it, you carry on. If you have no interest in reducing your body fat, no interest in getting healthier, living longer, and the priority for you is just going and having fucking fun and eating whatever you want in whatever quantity and just embracing the years that you've got, no matter how short, crack on. I have nothing more to say to you. Go and enjoy your time. If that is your conscious decision and that's what you want to do, go. Go and have fun. I ain't gonna take that away from you. Nobody should, because you've made that decision. And if you're content with that, crack on, mate. But you can't have it both ways by going, oh, but I want a great physique, and I wanna live my life for many, many years. I wanna see my grandkids grow up. I wanna go to their weddings. I wanna see my great-grandkids. But I also wanna kick the ass out of every fucking night. I also wanna drink myself into a stupor and have takeaways whenever I want. Sorry, buddy, you can't have it both ways. So, folks, a hard-hitting podcast, perhaps. An informative one, perhaps. You choose. Take from this information what you will. I always do my best to speak my mind based upon experience and, I guess, opinion as well. So, if you've taken something away from this and it's resonated with you, drop me a message. As I said, at Chris Moyes on Instagram. Drop me a Facebook message, to be fair. At Chris Moyes on, uh, or oh, sorry, at Chris Ballard Moyes on Facebook, because I got married and I changed my name. <laughs> but it's still the tag or the the at on Instagram is still at Chris Moyes. But I believe on Facebook it's at Chris Ballard hyphen Moyes. But anyway. As I said, drop me a message. Let me know your feedback. It's always helpful to continue the motivation for the podcasts and to know what you guys enjoy listening to. And whether you've been in the car, whether you've been in the gym, out for a walk, or perhaps just mooching around the house, I hope I've provided some level of entertainment, education, and inspiration for you as an individual to go and live your life and become the best version of yourself, whatever that looks like. And as always, go forward, accept the things of which you cannot change, have the courage to change the things that you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'll see you next time. Toodles.